another week, another edition of Riding the Pine 2.0 coming at you in a second. About to call my buddy Mike and recap this crazy past weekend in the NFL and the playoffs and look ahead to this coming weekend. Uh, the final four teams left playing in the conference championships. And we'll see how we did with our <laughs> our predictions. Um, and it's crazy. It's a crazy setup right now, except for one team that we all expected to be there. So without further ado, here is Riding the Pine Conference Championship Edition in the NFL. Oh, baby, welcome to Riding the Pine, the best podcast that nobody listens to. It's a podcast that features its own Scorpion segment. That's right. Also, welcome to Scorpions Monthly. This month, Scorpion hibernation in the Northeast. We're, we're still in the same month we were in the last show, though. I know. I know. I, we we got to start developing the idea a little further. <sighs> that, well, that's why I wanted to go with Scorpion Corner, because we're not just limiting ourselves to the month or a week. You're right. You're right. You well, know, like I said, Scorpion. again, we're with a, a branding specialist, so I know oh we can do this. Oh, boy. Mike, yeah, uh, man, we, I mean, we were, we were texting back and forth during this, especially the Patriots game. Uh, but really, the whole weekend, and how 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 it surprised... made our lives uncomfortable. <laughs> how how surprised are you at at the the four teams that we're left with here in the NFL playoffs in the in the conference championships? By the way, I just I just did a little intro. It's under a minute, but that's that played before before us coming on right now. Yeah, honestly, the only surprise is the Jaguars to me because the Eagles were the best team in the league and Carson Wentz was on his way to an MVP, you know, and then the the Vikings looked amazing. The Vikings, to me, on offense are just blazing fast and they've had a really strong defensive unit for three years now. They've muscled their way into the postseason a couple times. So I'm not surprised. I think the shock would be that the quarterbacks – you know, lack the luster. Jacksonville is a good team. Obviously, if you win 10 games in a in an NFL season, you're doing something right. And I, I can remember being a, an early Pats fan dreaming about like it was it was inconceivable to go 14 and two or 13 and three. And, and a 10 win season was was incredible. So putting things in the right like perspective, I I think the Jaguars are respectable, and obviously what they did last week was real. And uh, we have a lot to talk about when it gets to the Steelers, but I'm not so surprised. Uh, I think the only surprise is, you know, the names. You compare the three newer quarterbacks to this point in the playoffs to Brady, and it's it's astonishing in every way. I, I would I would throw out there, well, first of all, I was based on our picks before, in our last show before this this uh, this weekend. I'm pr- I haven't listened to it, but I'm pretty sure I went one and three with the one team being the Patriots that I picked right. I I think I picked all the other teams to beat the teams that ended up winning. Um, I, I wanna I wanna you know put it out there for for everyone that's listening 
everyone that's listening that maybe didn't hear the last show, which is kind of unfathomable, but realistic at the same time. Uh, you and and you wouldn't even know this, which makes it even funnier, to be honest. It, you, you basically picked the score of the Patriots Titans game. I was uh, all over it. And if you didn't exactly. listen to our podcast, I don't love you. You're not my friend. Don't ask me for money. I'm not helping you move. Go to hell. Yeah. But if you did listen, I really appreciate the support. And you mean a lot to me. My, my, just to be clear, you, you said the Patriots would score 38 points. They scored 35, right? Yes. You also said the Titans would score between, would you say between 13 and 16? I think I had somewhere in the teens. I think I and predicted they, a, a touchdown yeah. and a couple field goals. And they, and they scored what? Two touchdowns? Two touchdowns. One, one in garbage time. It was really 35-7. Right. right. Seven, which right. Is a few but, left. however, if, if you had, I don't know what the over-under was, but. If, Nine if you, oh yeah, that's right. I don't listen, know what it was. I'm going to throw this out there, people. If you're listening to the show, you got to go with the hot hand. Mike just gave you two winners last week. If you went with the the over under number that he called, uh, that would have been a winner. If you went with the spread, if you took the Patriots to win by, I think this by the time it was game time, it was around two touchdowns. I think right. Probably like 13. That's right. I am trying to feed your family. I am trying to pay your mortgage. I'm trying to put your kids through college. Call my hotline for my hottest spreads. 1-800-BIG-BOX. Big what? Big box. Oh. <laughs> I, okay. Hey, I you're going to have a good time either way. <laughs> you're like, you've always reminded me of, of Matthew McConaughey in that that two for the money oh, movie well, that he did with Al Pacino. I appreciate that. Yeah. Cause I fancy uh, so... Ford motor company products <laughs> and I Excuse eat a lot me. of so, red meat. Listen, we have a, uh, you're fired up this week because I normally, n- normally it's like, you know, we're like, Oh, we're going to do a show. Maybe we should do one. Okay. But you are all over. You're all over me. Like, let's, let's get on the air. We gotta it's talk more, it's to more like, let's get our shit together. Let's get our yeah. act together. There's let's a lot it. to talk about. And by the way, I, I'm saving something for the end of the night. But a story just broke about the Celtics that is just unfathomable in terms of the greater purpose of basketball. But anyways, wow. let's, let's get back into the NFL. So I sent you some questions. I want to ask you some some quick ones, you know, boom, boom, boom. Ready? Okay. Yes, that's so, that's cool. And you have the list in front of you because I can't see it on my. Well, I, I could, but I'm going to pull it easier. from memory. Okay. All right. Yes. So, so you and I both thought Atlanta should go in there. Atlanta has the better quarterback. They've got an equal head coach, and they have an equal defense. So Matt Ryan with his stupid MVP trophy should have won that game, and sure as heck. They can't put up anything more than 15 points because they're on grass and they're on the road. Should Dan Quinn be fired? I don't think he's any better than Mike Smith. So I would say yes, but it won't happen. They'll just fire the offensive coordinator, which, which I agree with because it's Steve Sarkeesian who they brought over this year to replace uh, Kyle Shanahan. And he's been nothing – but horrible. And the prime example 
<clears throat> and I tweeted this and I, and I texted you. The prime example was not the fact that they went to Julio Jones twice. I have no problem with that. Even though he was on the season, believe it or not, I think he was one for 18 in the red zone. That was horrible. One right? touchdown. He, in, he, in the whole year, he may be pound for pound better than Antonio Brown. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, he's he's right there. But I mean, I, I don't put the blame on Julio either. I put it on on whoever's throwing. It's the not Julio's fault in the offense. Yeah, no. But but listen, when they needed the when he needed the points the most, and look, this has already been hashed over a couple times. I'm sure it's it's been out there. You think? But Im- immediately, a rollout. With Matt oh, Ryan. it's so stupid, yeah. A rollout with Matt Ryan, you cut off not That's even horrible. just half the field. That's they horrible. cut off three-quarters of the field the way they were rolling out. They also had their fullback split out wide, so they're not throwing it to him. Uh, they're throwing it to Julio, and let's make it super tough I mean, and give it, honestly, have the quarterback to, to, throw it on the run. To right? make your point, what's a worse play call right there? A flea flicker on the three yard line. Oh, oh no! The, would that no. be would that be a that dumber be play? A double no, pass on the five yard line? That'd be better because you'd be giving it to a guy at the run running full speed. I mean, what's a, worse... a dumber play? Oh, I, I got. Should they do you. the Matt Ryan goes out wide and somebody else takes the snap? Is I mean, well, how about what's how about a dumber this? play to call there? Here's a dumber play that is like somewhat realistic in terms of they maybe would have called this a Matt Ryan draw. <laughs> like within yeah. the realm of possibility, Look, that one is in there because Sarkeesian is so bad. So the, the long, last long story short, years. horrible play calling. Last three years, his first year in Atlanta, they got off to a hot start. They were like five and zero, oh, and they choked it all away and missed the playoffs. Then last year, they had the year of the year. Right, every year there's a team that has. Their mm-hmm. year, and they Matt gotta Ryan get too. it done. Matt Ryan too, right? Yeah. And th- this year, there's a couple teams. This year, the Vikings and the Eagles are having that kind of year. Like this is their year. Nothing's ever gonna go better for them, you know. Sans the Wentz injury, but you know that was their year. So they went, and Dan Quinn's responsible for the biggest choke job ever in the history of postseason football. Like really, and then this year, same team. Same talent. You could say they were. They actually had more talent. They were a better team on paper because they had players back from injury. They had a fresh slew of draft picks, and they just they they couldn't get past the Panthers or the Saints. So you know this just exposed that that guy wants nothing to do with offense. He he should get a pay cut and get half the pay because he's just a defensive coordinator with the clout. I mean, honestly, he's just going to hand off the offense to somebody who's been there for a minute, and it went from the best offense in the league to just something far, far less. So, sure, I would I, keep them, yeah. keep them only because there's like ten job openings, and there's only like maybe two or three coaches you'd ever consider. But my God, he's doing everything he can to get fired. Yeah, I, I, I think that they not to harp on this too much. I know there's other questions, but. I hadn't actually thought about him. There was another coach that you're about to bring up in the next couple of questions I know about getting fired. But um, Quinn, the, the way that it goes usually is when this type of thing happens, the, the head coach is still – unless there's like some guy that the, the owner is just – he has to have. The, the head coach is going to stay there because they're still successful, right? I mean they, they blew the Super Bowl, but they were in it. They made the playoffs – 
and they won a they won a game, and then they they lost in this next round. So there's still some level of success. So they're going to keep him. There's a problem with the offense. It's been there all year. Sarkeesian was not the right hire. <clears throat> they're going to bring in someone else, which I don't even know. Maybe they have already. I, I haven't been paying attention, to be perfectly honest. Um, they they will do that, and then next year, when they miss the playoffs, he will get fired. Sure. Maybe maybe in the middle of the following season, but sure. within the next year and a half, the Falcons will have a new okay, or or, or will be rid of their current head coach. All right. Next question: Marcus Williams of the Saints basically coughs up a, 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 a what is a trip to the Super Bowl. I mean, I the Saints had the game in hand. Everybody at this point knows what happened. He does this incredible whiff with his head down. Doesn't even look at Diggs. Diggs catches run. Game over. You're the GM of the Saints. What do you do with Marcus Williams? Oh, uh, that kid's a rookie. I have him over to my house for dinner and fully support him. You, he, I thought you were going to say you fully seduce him. I'm sorry. He's <laughs> nervous. He he also he also made an interception in that game that was huge for the Saints. The kid is talented. He screwed up. He he owns up to it. I I totally disagree with people like Stephen A. Smith on Twitter calling it the worst mistake ever in the NFL postseason. Give me a break. He messed up. We know it. There were some factors involved, but he messed up. He's a rookie. Okay, did it. Move on. He, he'll if he needs he if he can get past this, he's a good enough. He's got enough talent that it's going to be a mental thing. So he's either going to come back strong preseason, answer all the questions in the preseason by the press, and come back and have a really amazing season, or he's going to be out of the league and, and, and cut. See, the, my concern is every time he lines up across another dude, if that guy across from him knows what he's doing, he's just never, ever going to live it down. This – this is not the worst play ever in the NFL. It's not the worst play. Not ever. even in the postseason, like no, some people, I, like Stephen A. Smith I can said. give you the worst play. I can, I'll tell you two worst plays off the top of my head right now. The Super Bowl against Panthers and Denver Broncos, right? Denver gets the ball, first snap. Uh, it sails over Peyton Manning's head. Ball bounces into the backfield. Oh, the, the Seahawks. The Seahawks and, and the Broncos. I'm sorry, yes. Seahawks yeah, yeah. and the Broncos. Thank you. And that that basically that was the end. <laughs> Avalanche, H- horrible, yeah, horrible snap. Tom Brady, yep. Tom Brady, the second Super Bowl in 2011 against the Giants. First possession, he rolls out on like the 10 yard line. He throws a ball to nobody because there was a, it was a dead play, intentional grounding, safety, and Giants get the ball two nothing midfield. I mean, so it's not the worst play ever, but how about Blair Witch? Bla- Bla- Blair Witch, the Blair, Blair Witch Project, yeah. horrible movie, great example. <laughs> Blair Walsh missing an extra point last yeah, year was, against that, the Seahawks. That was brutal, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, like so, like we're not. I guess we're not including kickers because no one mentioned Scott Norwood. I, th- uh, this is one of the problems I have with ESPN. Like everything that just happened is the best or the greatest or the worst. So wait, did you say did you say Trump or ESPN? Uh, both of them. I hate them both. <laughs> but the reality is, you know, the Super Bowl took place last year, twenty eight to three. Patriots come back. That legitimately might have been the greatest Super Bowl ever. It's up for debate. It's up for discussion. It's legitimate. 
and that happens just enough to like muddy the waters. So when someone says, oh, this is the best ever, people just let their guard down and, and accept it. And I hate the hype. Machine yeah, work. they're ridiculous. But, but back to the question. Ed, yeah. Look, if I'm the GM, I, I trade him. I trade him. I feel like his teammates aren't going to have confidence in him. He, he's got to be shot. You're going to go to a sports psychiatrist. He can tweet whatever they want. Then the NFL is bigger than life. I'm sorry. It's not supposed to be that way, but it is. And if that guy goes out week one and gives up a bomb to somebody or has a bad day, I, not he can't even hide in his own city. So I, I just think you got to move that guy far away, maybe even the Canadian League. So next question, Mike Tomlin, you are the Rooney owners. You're the, the Rooney clan, whichever one of them is still alive. What do you do with Mike Tomlin? What should they do? Answer is fire him. What what will they do is they will keep him there because they're so dedicated to their their people and everything. It's like, come on, this guy this guy has blown, been part of, and been the reason for a lot of blown games by the Steelers and crucial mistakes. And if we're always talking about the head coach being you know in charge. And being the, 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 the buck stops here. So how much you could easily, easily put a lot of the blame on Mr. Todd Haley. Uh, Todd Haley was in like his second bar fight of the year uh, a week before this game or something. Like it was, it, he just got in a bar fight and was in legal trouble. And But he's out there, you know, calling plays. Now, the rumor I heard was on one of the that main fourth and one towards the end when Roethlisberger threw the ball to the tight end instead of them running it or him going for a QB sneak. The rumor is that he audibled out of the run play to throw that. I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything against or for that. I've just seen that out there. So aside from that, I, I thought Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown – even Martavis Bryant, throw him in there. But Roethlisberger and Brown were uh, – like those two touchdowns or the touchdown catches were amazing. The throws and the catches on those particular plays were amazing. Everything else, meh. And there's their defense, guys, you gave up 45 points at home in a playoff game. Come on. Come on. Like, 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 let's be real. Let's be real about how hard it is to win in Heinz Field. Because now the Jaguars have done it, gone in there and scored a ton of points. That might be more – the Jaguars may have scored more points in Heinz Field in a playoff game against the Steelers than the Patriots have ever scored against them in a playoff game in Heinz well, Field. I'd be curious to know if that was the highest point total given up by a Steelers team in the postseason. It, it very well could be. I can't remember a blowout. And it wasn't yeah. a blowout because it was competitive, you know, but I, I can't remember anybody going in there and dropping a 40-burger on him. But to your point, right, so he, here's my problem with Tomlin, okay? The Steelers have a crap ton of talent, and the window's closing very fast. Let's face it. You've got Tom Brady on one hand eating avocado ice cream, testing the laws of pliability, training nonstop. And then you've got Ben Roethlisberger, who looks like a player from the 50s era, who, when he's not in football season, is selling insurance, drinking beer, smoking cigarettes all day, and then shows up magically to play professional football. 
So this guy's not playing into his 40s. I can tell you that right now. Roethlisberger's on watch, just like Brady is, but the difference is four years. So Tomlin has all this talent, and he has he trades. He trades culture for skill. He chooses the fastest, most talented guys. But it's so shallow. And when push comes to shove, his teams always lack mental toughness. And that is something that Belichick and the Patriots are always talking about. And, and there was an era of teams that were not mentally tough. So you had the dynasty team with the Brewskis and the McGinnis and the Laws. They were, they were tough. And then you had the middle era with the Welkers, the Mosses, the Bradys. They weren't tough. They couldn't get it done. And now we're looking at a potential double dynasty with the High Towers, the McCordys, and the Gronkowski's Edelmans, and they're tough. This Tomlinson, this Tomlin team, this guy's been living off a Super Bowl for eight years, and he won the Super Bowl the year the Patriots didn't have Brady. So in an alternative universe where Brady's healthy, something tells me I don't even get there. What bothers me is the point you made first was that Steeler fans get an erection when they talk about, oh, we've only had three coaches our entire team history. Is that really a good thing? It sounds like they're just settling. So, yeah, you won the division, but the division has the worst team in all of football. They've got a team ravaged by stupidity in the Ravens, and they've got a team that just settles some mediocrity in the Bengals. They should win the division every year. The Patriots have won it eight times straight in like 14 out of the last 15 years. So they should fire him because he's a dumb dumb and he doesn't know how to control his players. And last year it was Antonio Brown live Facebooking before the Patriots. And you can hear Tomlin in the background talking about they're going to kick their ass, right? Just fire up the Patriots. And this year it's Le'Veon Bell tweeting late at night before game day an assumptive tweet that says, basically, if we're going to beat the Jaguars, then we're going to beat the Patriots. Guy's got to go. He's lost control of his ship. Talented offensive coordinator, talented collector of talent, but can't get over the hump. See ya. Let me throw this out there, too, that the first year that the Patriots went to the Super Bowl with Brady, uh, when they went into Heinz, Heinz Field, that was Heinz Field's first year? Is that right? When when uh, Bledsoe ended up coming in and and replacing Brady, right? So so two thousand one, um, that may have been the inaugural season for Heinz Field. Yeah, I think it, might it was. Right I think that. it was. And and but the the point was that prior to that game, so this is this is uh, seventeen years later. Prior to that game, diff, different <laughs> coach, uh, different players. There may have been there may be one player in there that's the same. I think Joey Porter. May have been on that team, and he's a coach now um, on the Steelers. But prior to that game, uh, multiple confirmed reports of multiple Steelers players booking booking everything. It was the AFC title game. They were booking everything. They're already packed, ready to go to New Orleans uh, because they're going to win that game. And it's, it's assumed. Now – like granted, are they do the teams get prepared beforehand anyway? To a point, sure. But this was like there was much more made out of it. Well, yeah, they were arrogant. Yes. They were. Yeah, arrogant. they were. It was assumed Absolutely. they were going to win. They 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 assumed they were going to win. It was the same exact thing then, except now they're assuming they're going to beat another team before they beat 
this other team. So probably not a good idea to skip over your, your opponent that's in front of you before thinking you're going to beat another team that you still have yet to beat in a long, long time. But they've only had three head coaches in their entire <laughs> And they've, they've progressively gotten worse? Yeah, I mean... All right. Yeah. So, uh, f- final question from last week, okay? Uh, it's really observation. W- w- what was your takeaway from the Patriots beatdown of the Titans? What, w- what are you thinking about that game, what did it say to you, given all this drama with the ESPN article and this storytelling of dysfunction and distraction amidst turnover with coaches, potential turnover due to time, because we talk about the age of Kraft, Belichick, and Brady. Just all of that shitstorm started to kick up, and then they played a football game. What was your takeaway at the end of that night? Business as usual. Uh, they, in terms of the game plan, they did exactly what what I thought they would do and what we talked about. And they, Derrick Henry did nothing. Uh, it didn't matter that he's bigger than their whole defensive line or whatever. And Allen Branch didn't even play. It didn't matter because it, they know how to game plan. Belichick knows how to game plan the defense. By the way, Belichick, not Patricia. Um, Belichick knows how to game plan the defense. Patricia's great and all, but enjoy your two-year stint in Detroit, Matt. Um, they they game plan Derrick Henry, shut down. Make Marcus Mariota beat you. And that's what they did. Tennessee had a nice little drive uh, on the second drive of the game where they scored the touchdown. But I And I, I messaged you this too. The first drive is typically the drive in every single NFL game where the team on offense, those are their scripted plays on their first drive. It's the plays that they go in the, the week of the practice beforehand, the game, before the game, and they say, okay, we looked at that tape on, on, this, on the opponent. Here's our plays that we know are going to work because we – well, there's an element of Yeah, we found their tendencies. Their we know what they're doing. And this is after a full yeah. season of watch of having tape on the Patriots for a full season, by the way. Mm-hmm. Right? So <laughs> so they go in and they're like uh, like horrible. Just the worst. It, it doesn't even belong in the playoffs these plays. So they scored first, whatever. There was zero worry. Patriots come back and by the time this first half was over, it, the game was over. They they made too many mistakes. They could they they couldn't stay with them. Um, as far as the distractions, like it, by all those things happening, it was just obvious. You know, it's it's just obvious that those things are not going to be a problem for Bill Belichick and Brady. It's not business as usual. Is really the the perfect way to put it. It just none of it mattered. They just rolled the ball out there, and I, I didn't think. Tennessee was, you know, that bad where they would only score seven points in the game. They put up 14, but that last touchdown was garbage. And the the one play they converted on, you know, both touchdowns were given up by Malcolm Butler. Uh, but, uh, you know, he he gave up a really good throw. So Marriott's got a lot of talent. That team is good. And whether or not Josh McDaniels goes there or the Colts, 
if they do get a guy like McDaniels, you know, significant expectations are are easy to understand because the talent and the speed is there on both sides of the ball. I, I was impressed with the Patriots defense just clamping down. To your point, that first drive is always the feel them out drive against the Patriots because the because the Pats are the bend but don't break. And I didn't think the Patriots would struggle with generating pressure because I expected all the defensive linemen to be there. They set a record with eight postseason sacks. That was fun. And the defensive backs, like you said. Yeah, they played really well. The the other thing, though, that I wanted to point out was we had talked at a prior podcast that nobody has listened to that Kyle Van Noy is developing into a Brewski-type player. I'm not calling him Brewski, but he does a lot of the things that Brewski did. And I've been feeding you tweets over the last couple yes. of days where some of the scouts have gone back and they've kind of shown some of the things Van Noy does. And, man, is he subtle. He has one play where he is right behind the line of scrimmage, and it's obvious that he and Derrick Henry are going to butt heads at the snap of the ball. Henry's going to pick him up, and Vinoy is simply, once the ball snapped, he simply just looks backwards as if he's going to settle into a pass protection, you know, back yeah. backpedaling. And Henry buys it, and Henry just runs into a route. <laughs> runs right by him, by the way. Gap. Runs right by him. Oh, it is a clear <laughs> gap. Vinoy has a straight line to the quarterback, and, and honestly – when do you see that in a player anywhere across the league? You don't, it's hard to see because it's so subtle, but you don't see it a lot, even when you do look for it. Don't so. you feel like, Mike, let me throw this at you. Cause that play in particular, yeah, I, I, I saw that you sent that to me and I, and I, I was laughing when I saw that he, he literally turns Van Noy turns towards the sideline as though he's dropping back in, in a pass pass protection, like you said, and, and Derek Henry runs up the alley where Van Noy passes by him on his way to the quarterback. And th- that is something like, you know, they saw that in the film of the Titans for the, for the season when Henry was back in pass protection, that he, he like, like his attention span is bad. <laughs> like he, he doesn't, he doesn't stay with like, here's the guy I'm, I'm potentially going to block. I'm, oh, wait, instantaneously, he's not going to come in. So I'm going to run away. And try to go on a route like that was that was great. Now you could say, look, if you look at it even further, like you could say that he was going out in a pass route anyway, but I don't think so. I mean, it, I, I don't think so. I think he was gonna he would have blocked it. People have, people are critical of personnel management after a game like the Titans had against the Chiefs in Kansas City, where Derrick Henry dominated. Derrick Henry had three plays that basically dictated the outcome of right. the game. And everyone looks at that and goes, why on earth are these guys playing DeMarco Murray? Well, there's a reason why veteran players that get millions of dollars have value if they're not the fastest guy. It's because they do the job the right way. You know, running backs, when we talk about the best running backs ever, nobody ever talks about the fact that Barry Sanders struggled to be an effective blocker because he was so tiny. And the guy put everything he had into it, you know? And when you look at a guy like Emmett Smith, who's got three or four inches of height, maybe 10, 20 more pounds of muscle, has a wider wingspan, you know, he was the more complete running back because the smaller things had to be done the right way all the time, too. 
So I look at that play and it's like obviously a young player representing kind of the microcosm of the roster itself. They had a nice little run. They got a taste of the postseason. They did something really impressive beating the Chiefs on the road. And then they bumped into a dynasty. And now they know what it's going to take to be successful. They basically lost 35-7. to And they've got to find those 28 other points to, to get to where they were and get beyond where they lost. So I thought it was an impressive game. For me, the takeaways were the defense – did a wonderful job, and really their matchup with the Jags transitions nicely because a lot of the elements are the same. Uh, so, anyways, what did you want to add about you know the game of last week, the Titans and Pats? Oh, I was going to say, on? I was going to throw this in because I just thought of it, is do not discount the fact that Derrick Henry is a former Alabama uh, player and Nick Saban coaches Alabama – and Bill Belichick and Nick Saban are relatively close friends, having Saban having been on Belichick's staff, and it's it's well known that they're they're buddies. And I I'm just saying I'm not saying Saban gave him anything, but you know it, I wouldn't put it past Belichick to try to exploit every single thing that he possibly could. And maybe did he go and get game film on Henry when he was in college? Or, you know, or get a little something here and there from say I mean, who knows? I'm just saying, like, that specific play is, like, it's not just a microcosm. It's, like, it, it tells everything you need to know about, like you said, where both teams are right now. Yeah, and, I, you know, the Saban thing is well documented because it goes probably further back than Cleveland, but people obsess over the staff that Belichick had in Cleveland and where they all are now. And But I always – I'm confused at the fact that Saban chose to take a job in the NFL with the Dolphins to go against Belichick nonstop. That was really stupid in retrospect. Uh, he should have chosen an NFC team, but anyways, they're buddies, whatever. Um, so on to bigger, better things. This week's matchups. So the Steelers, they lose that game because Tomlin has no control over the culture of that locker room. And they all assumptively think they're going to manhandle the Jaguars and then go to Foxborough and get rid of And the Jaguars let them know, didn't they? (laughs) And so you had some incredible things happening, right? You had Le'Veon Bell tweeting the night before. You had Mike Mitchell, uh, I guess, yelling at the players. Uh, oh yeah, I forget if it was in the locker room or oh, they. I mean, just off. He's he's a clown. The Jaguars pull off. The Jaguars pull off the upset. Okay, and immediately they fly to Jacksonville, and the first thing they do (laughs) is they start grabbing microphones in front of cameras and guaranteeing victories, not only over the Patriots, but also over whomever they bump into in the Super Bowl. I want to ask you a question. I really want to know your answer. Does Blake Bortles have any shot? of leading an offense, not the defense, because we could see where the, the defense could get a pick six. Brady gives it up like any other quarterback. It happens. But could Blake Bortles score 21 points on offense by either throwing it or handing the ball off? And would that be enough to beat the Patriots in Foxborough? The only way they're scoring 21, 21 points is on seven field goals. <laughs> 
I can see the headlines <laughs> now. Kicker's leg goes and, dead. And, yeah. Amputation schedule. The, and, and the the combined yardage of the sev- of said seven field goals would be 350 yards. You do the math. <laughs> <laughs> he would equal Paul Horning's kicking yeah. career in one yeah. evening. Maybe, maybe even 420 yards combined. Uh, because that's they Blake Bortles. Okay, I, look, I totally did not give them a chance against against the Steelers when I was when I was talking about this game last week. Like, I called Blake Bar- Bortles hot garbage. Uh, Nick Foles, I said, was probably worse than that, and they both won. So kudos to you guys. Bortles even this past week actually helped his team win, whereas the the past week he hadn't he didn't really. He ran. He ran for more yards. Yeah, I do want to bring something up. We've had a couple conversations about the Bills, and I said the Bills have a great defense. And you totally dogged that comment. You were like, eh, it's Blake Bortles. But I kind of feel like what happened in Pittsburgh validated the reality that the Buffalo defense is really good. And although the Pats have put up 25, 30 points against them, it was a real grind, and it took like two and a half, three quarters for the Pats to kind of figure out what they were doing. I, I feel like Blake Bortles is not as bad as what you saw in Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's defense did a great job, and they almost I won still that say game. he's horrible, but go ahead. And he's not as good as what you saw in Pittsburgh. So he, he was on fire, and Pittsburgh was just delirious. They didn't know what the hell they were well, doing. And I would go the opposite route, and I – so it's somewhere well, in the no, middle. I, I would go somewhere in the middle. I would go the opposite route in terms of the defenses. I think it for me it proved that the Steelers defense sucked. Well, we knew that. Come on. But I mean, that's what I'm saying is they they even even when it when it was still relatively close for them, like they still had a chance well, and they could still be like, oh yeah, we could still all we have to do is still like shut down Blake Bortles on a on a drive. Well, look here. what happened to them, right? So in the last, like, five weeks, they cut James Harrison. They lost Ryan Shazier to some form of paralysis, hopefully temporary. Joe Hayden never came back from his injury. And they had a secondary that was just a lot of young guys, and they really needed Hayden's depth, and they really needed pressure. Well, you mean, like, because he didn't come back until the the playoffs, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And because, look, just because you're healthy doesn't mean you're going to play at an optimal right. level. And we saw that. They they gave up points. They gave up a ton right. of points. Yeah. So uh, it just fell it just fell apart for them on the defensive side. And and Bortles did a wonderful job. Look, for a defense that's really thin, the mobile quarterback, if they're not prepared, they don't have a good strategy. If they don't have cornerbacks that can play man, they they're doomed because they got to drop back, play zone. And as and as soon as that mobile QB sees space, they they just tuck it and run, and he broke their heart a number of times with his wheels. I, I, yeah, so. I, I would I would say in in, in re- relation to all this, like what the the touchdowns Antonio Brown caught those touchdowns from Roethlisberger, right? I believe they were both against that Bouye kid, who they made a they made yeah. a big deal on the on TV about he's. How great he's, he is. he's been thrown at ninety times, and he hadn't given up, given up a touchdown all season, <laughs> and they gave up two because of Antonio Brown, right? So, 
Well, it's because, it's because they, to your point, they didn't play anybody really good. You know, I mean, come on. They played the Steelers earlier, but they played a crap. Well, they played the Colts yeah. twice with no luck. And so who's throwing a yep. T.Y. Hilton? Like, they, they they play against the Texans. They didn't even face Deshaun Watson except for two Houston quarters. Houston without Watson. Yeah. Um, yep. So, like, and, and he wasn't on DeAndre Hopkins. Ramsey was. So. And they played. They played Mariota. Uh, I'm sorry. They played the Titans without Mariota. Yeah, once. and they lost both times. <laughs> by the way, so so Bouye, great, fine. He's the opposite corner on the other side of Ramsey. Um, Jalen Ramsey is, by all accounts, like the next Patrick Peterson. He's a shutdown corner, really good, great. You know, that's fine. We'll see. We'll see because um, I think I think Brandon Cooks has a bit more of a role in this coming game against the Jaguars, you know, Gronk is going to be in there. You know, they're going to try to run the ball, but like there's, if they're giving up Roethlisberger to Brown, these two gorgeous, perfect touchdowns, you you don't think Brady's going to throw really nice balls to cooks and Gronk. (laughs) Like, so, so your feelings are Bortles just doesn't have it in him. He's had a nice little run here. He looked really bad at home against Buffalo, but survived. He looked a lot better against the Steelers, but by no means was he the gunslinger that they leaned on. And I kind of feel like he's going to be a little bit – for me, he resembles the way they're using him now of a similar threat to Mariota. With the exception that, um, you know, I I feel like their offense is a lot more predictable. He's much more of a game manager, I I feel, than Mariota. Mariota was really asked to to win them the game last week, and he has been asked to do that consistently throughout the season and his career. Now, Bortles has a resume. It's not like Bortles is this, you know, nincompoop that's never put together at least a an offensive season that makes. Oh sure, he's had one, but it hasn't been. It wasn't. This right. season or last? Because look at Flacco, right? Flacco's only thrown for 4,000 yards once. Flacco's only had like 25 touchdowns once. Like, Bortles has had a couple big statistical years. So, you know the guy understands, you know, how to move the chains. The, the problem is he's been playing in a last-place schedule for the entirety of his career. And now that you're in the playoffs, you're – look, you're one of the last four teams – that are in the tournament and those other three teams, they will rip you to part to pieces. Those, yeah. I, those are the contenders to be the, the main, honestly, the main thing that I see is this, like Bill Belichick is going to game plan and take away whatever they do the best. So mm-hmm. the idea that I would think that Jacksonville probably knows is coming because why not, why not do it is you're going to try to stop Fournette. You're going to try to load up, stop the run. But I don't think that's what they're going to do, the Patriots. I think – I really do think they're going to let Fournette run and Yeldon. Like, get your yards. Go ahead. The whole bend but don't break thing, get your giant chunks of yardage. Do it. But when you get in the red zone, guess what? That is going to – See, I, I, that's I getting would, bo- I wait, 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 wait. That's getting that's getting as usual. Like it gets harder to move the ball in the red zone, and I really think they're gonna drop seven guys and be like Blake Bortles, go for it. Can you? Do you understand what we're doing on defense to you? 
Do you understand what schemes and coverages we're throwing at you? Let's see if you really do, because if he doesn't, he's going to be throwing picks to guys that are, it looks like he's throwing to the defense instead of the offense. They're going to shut down the run. They're going to play man on everybody, and they're going to have a spy on the QB. And they're not going to be blitz heavy until the game is slanted. So it's my belief that they're going to just hold the line, set the edge, like they like to say. And their postseason strategy in the in this second dynasty run here is to run 80-plus plays. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. All these all these defenses that are, you know, young and inexperienced, they by now we've seen so many Patriot Super Bowls. Belichick is he shows his hand every time they have the interviews, and he says, "Look, you know, you want to bring extra defensive linemen into that game because the game is longer, <laughs> the half times longer, the breaks are longer, the commercials are longer, the plays." Brady said that that you want to go to every. Brady said that like this week, I think too. Well, they, so they're going to stop the run. They want control of the game. They want time of possession. They want to. They want twelve, ten play drives. They want aggressive control of the clock through the air. So that's how I see it going. I, Blake Bortles, to me, I will jump off the roof of my house if the guy has three touchdowns through the air. It's just not going to happen. So while their defense is certainly a threat. And we've seen defenses that have a you know similar makeup give Brady problems. You know when you well, compare let's talk about to that. the defenses that he struggled with. That. Yeah. You know the the Ravens defense had two Hall of Famers, and uh, they were in a pretty good division at that time. the The AFC North you know, was very competitive with the Bengals and the Steelers. Very competitive. So they were like, you know, iron forges iron, that that whole sense of uh, skill. And then you've got the Giants, who had a Hall of Famer in Strahan, and really one of the best defensive lines in, in, in recent history, you know, front four. So are the Jaguars those players? Well, if they win this game, people start talking about it in that way. But I, I don't think they are. And I do think that this defense has cut its teeth on some really spongy opponents. So we've also seen the Patriots do really well against good defenses, right? We saw them put 28 points up against the Seahawks in the Legion of Boom, right about what looks like at the end of their peak. And we've seen them beat Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos a few times when ba- when Brady had his full assortment yeah. of Including weapons. down three touchdowns. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. The Wes Welker muff punt game. So, you know, we, so it's not, it's not like, oh gosh, well, if you have a good defense, Brady's done. Like, that's certainly not the case. I would expect it to be physical. Brady's going to get hit. They're going to knock him around. And I think it's going to be very tight, like the first half of the Titans Patriots Look. were. And then, you know, it comes down to coaching, execution, and game strategy changes. And, and the, that's add this in there, too, because you mentioned it. The, if we're talking about the Giants Super Bowl, the the, the first one where they they beat them right uh, to end mm-hmm. the undefeated season, I, I want all of our listeners to remember that that game, the Giants didn't blow out the Patriots. By the way, uh, what was the final score? Seventeen fourteen, fourteen ten. What was it? 
for 2007. In the Super Bowl, yeah, against the Giants with the Randy Moss, the first one. I want to say it was 21-17. Was it? No, I, th- I thought it was like 14-10 or 17-14 or something. Because didn't Strahan? 20, 21-17 because the, the Patriots needed a Super Bowl. I'm sorry, they needed a to win the Super Bowl. So it was right. It was seventeen. So was four. It was seventeen yeah. fourteen. Sure, was it fourteen ten? It was, and then Brady got a touchdown to Moss with two minutes on the clock. Oh, and that made it right. right. And then they scored. And okay. that was seventeen well, fourteen. Okay, so besides the point, anyway, it that's that's I don't even need that. It's the 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 idea was that it wasn't like. That defense was this fantastic defense, right? They they knew exactly how to play, and the Patriots still almost won because they got the gift on the catch. It should have been a sack. The dude caught the ball with his helmet, and then the play after that was a touchdown. We know box <laughs> go right, but then then four plays after that, they had a realistic shot at a seventy yard touchdown with Randy Moss, where it, it hit him off his hands. So like even then, it was like they still. Could have won the game realistically. Did you uh, did you listen yeah. to the podcast I pushed you away? There's a great podcast. It's Adam Schefter's podcast. He's one on one with Teddy. Uh, is it know them from Adam? I didn't listen to it though. And Brewski talks. They talk about this game, and Adam Schefter asks Brewski, you know, what what one or two plays stand out? And Brewski says, literally everybody had one play that they should have made. He's like. Yeah, you, you're all taught. You you might remember the Asante Samuel interception that slipped yes. through his hands. Yep, yep, right? that would have ended the game. And then so he's like, I remember a play where there was a third down conversion, and I I chose the wrong gap. And I'm like, if I had stuffed them, we would have had the ball on a short field. And da da da. He's like, everybody had one play that they didn't convert. Yeah. Adelius Thomas had Eli Manning in the grass. If he just fucking brought him down, boom. Yeah. So, yeah, it was meant to be. Whatevs. So, the, but the point is that even with that perfect defense where everyone all of a sudden figured out how to play the Patriots at that mm-hmm. point and how to play against Brady, I should say, where if you can get up front pressure and drop enough guys back, you have a shot. Like, that was the, that was the team that, that brought that out really in, in a big way. Would you agree? Sure. So – so that even at that, they still almost won. But now, there was nothing groundbreaking. I mean, well, no, but it was it, the first time. It was the first football. time that they really like realized it. Like, but that it's it, football one on one. It's just it's the what it is. Right, pressure up the middle, right? right? And that's that's why the Jets teams were so competitive, right? With Rex Ryan in his first few seasons, because he went out and got guys that could blitz up the middle, right? And then he burned them out in in just under two years. And he had a he had a, a, a shutdown corner. With Revis, that could play man and like sure. that whole half the we, right. No, I, every I totally every agree. defense, every defense that has stifled Brady has featured the presence of a Hall of Famer, right? Denver Von Miller, the Jets, Darrell Revis, right? The Ravens, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. I mean, so you know, I get it. Well, yeah. So, so, but what I'm saying is that that game was the first, the first one where they were like, actually, it might have been even been the Giants the first Giants game that season where the Patriots barely won that game. No, 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 no. The Ravens game. Remember the Ravens game where, yes, where yes. Rex Ryan was calling timeout, jumping well, it was in those, front of the yes. head coach as a defensive coordinator. That yes. that was the first game where it was like, okay, well, these guys, they're not going to drop. 
right. showing up on time. And and yeah, you can get to Brady beat him up and it was those last down. three so, games yeah. of the season. But you're right, yeah, the Ravens game because it was the Ravens they played, the Eagles and the Giants where they lost. They almost lost all three of those games in some way. I, I was I was at that Ravens game in Baltimore, and it was the only time, the only time I've ever gone to a road game and not worn red, white, and blue. I wore all black. <laughs> Cause I didn't want, I didn't want to hear it. I, it was, it was like a Monday night game. I didn't want to fucking hear it. And sure as shit, it was the best decision I ever made because that game was so yep. heated. Players were getting ejected. Yep. Flags were flying all over the place. The result was, it was a classic, like emotional meltdown game where the Pats just stood there and watched the Ravens cry and scream while nothing yep. went their way. Um, and and there was some squirrely shit. So well, like, as always, yeah. Not have won yeah. that game, okay. And if I had wore red, white, and blue, I would have I would have heard about it the entire <laughs> trip home. I would have had urine dumped on my head. It, it would have been the worst ever. And so I'm so happy that I went incognito that night. It was the best <laughs> for my football life. So coming, bringing it back to this game now against the Jaguars for the Patriots, I, I don't. I don't think that they have the same type of of defense. Where is it going to give them a little trouble? I think so. I I just don't. I don't think the Patriots are going to have a huge problem by the time the game is over, saying, "Oh, they they couldn't score on that Jaguars defense." Like I I think they're going to score points on them, and then it's going to come down to can Bortles and whoever the guys are left on offense for the Jaguars can they score enough points to keep up. I still think that's the that's what's going to happen, and they they won't be able to, and Bortles will end up kind of flaming out um, by the time that it's over. I think he's going to have a couple picks, because by the by the end they're going to be trying to force it. There's going to be a point in like the third fourth quarter where maybe it's still relatively within reach, and so they're throwing a lot, and he's trying to force it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You start taking risks that you wouldn't do if the game were you know within reach and you know those risks can sometimes pay off you get reckless because you have to yeah i I think if i had to pick a score okay i I think 24 13 and i think it's a close game i I don't you heard it here first folks 24 to 13 the patriots are gonna take out the jaguars and that's an eleven point. Twenty four to thirteen. Twenty four to thirteen. Twenty four to thirteen. Eleven points. If you're if you're if you're getting the Jags plus twelve, take it. Take the Jags and the points. If you're getting the Patriots minus eleven, take the Patriots. If I'm wrong, I'll pay your mortgage. <laughs> um, Twenty four points for a Patriots team in the in the playoffs is an ugly yes. offensive night. Yeah, it really is. That means the Jaguars' and defense it, did a good it, job. Yeah, I look, I think it's tight. If you're Jacksonville, and obviously Tom Coughlin is there, you have to crush Brady immediately. So you're sending, you're sending blitzes, you're sending pressure. Like, it's got to happen early, right? He's got to see ghosts the entire game. So for the Jaguars, they just want to add incredible pressure and hit Brady in it. And I would even say it's worth the 15-yard penalty if you crush him a few times. Just because you have to get in his head and disrupt his comfort early on to reap the benefits of that across, you know, four quarters. Every other Patriots, 
you know, the best thing you can do is catch every ball that's thrown to you. So this is where Josh McDaniels becomes a huge advantage. Last game, there was a play. It was just, it was, I guess I'd say, I can't remember the formation, forgive me, but it was a passing down. It was, it was about, I want to say three wide with Gronkowski split as a tight end and Lewis was the running back. And what happened was Brady snaps the ball, Lewis breaks left, which was the weak side. He fakes the he fakes the handoff to Lewis. The defense flinches, stops what they're doing. They see Brady pull the ball back from Lewis. So now it's almost like a misdirection play, right? So they were following Lewis. They see Brady's got the ball. They stop. They come back to the other side of the field, expecting Brady to throw it to the right side. Brady pivots and, th- and, and makes sells it. So now the defense is shifted towards Lewis, away from Lewis. And then what happens is Lewis gets behind the two wideouts and alignment, and now it's a running back screen pass, and Brady throws it right back to where they were all going. That play hit for like 12 yards, and it was pure mm-hmm. torture. There's nothing you can do as a defender. It, it is a scheme. The, the, the play is already effective as long as the guy throws the ball and the other guy catches and he, it. Yeah. I, I think that's the advantage here. I think there's going to be some formations that really attack the pressure and attack the, the man scenario that, they, that they're going to be looking at all night long. And I, I think Josh McDaniels and his game planning – I think he's going to go out on top, baby. I think he's going to put something together. So I'd say 24-13, Brady has an average night, and I, and I and I would say Amendola is probably their most important offensive player. Again, as called on this show, ride the pie. Yeah, you did, you did call that too. I, I'm going to say that, that Gronk is still the important guy on the field uh, receiving-wise, but I, I do think that Cooks will be the beneficiary because that guy – they're they're gonna they're gonna hit some big plays with him, I think, on uh in that game. It's interesting you bring him up, Ben, because he, he took a lot of heat for that game. Because Brady threw a couple big balls up there, and you know which one I'm talking about where he just yeah. missed them. And people there was a lot of criticism that he should have left out crazy. for that. Ball. People need to shut the F up. Like for real. I think that's I think it's crazy. Yeah, it's not fair. But it, it is interesting to note that Brady and Cooks do not have a magical Julian Edelman no. connection. And it it took it takes anybody who has that connection with Brady over a year to do it. So Troy Brown had that connection with Brady. They were playing together for a year and a half before they actually started a jive on the field. When Welker went down in 09 and the Ravens lost that game to the I'm sorry, the Patriots lost that game to the Ravens in Foxborough with the Ray Rice 80-yard touchdown run. Welker blew at his knee. Everyone thought Edelman was just going to slide into the slot and they were going to do the slot machine thing. It just didn't happen. It couldn't happen. So Cooks gets a lot of heat for not clicking with Brady consistently despite having a 1,000-yard season. So if he does what you're predicting – that may be a dangerous turning point in their relationship where all of a sudden in the postseason, they really do crack the code for how to play together. And now they've got a deep threat that's, you know, more than just a guy that takes advantage of breakdowns. Uh, yeah, and I also think that the Patriots have have kept some uh, some bullets in the, in the chamber. Like, 
they're, they haven't shown all their, their cards yet, even in the playoffs on offense. Definitely not even the whole season. You could argue they lost that game in Miami because they didn't have Gronk, but they, they said, well, look, we can't show our hand what we're going to do without Gronk in case we don't have right. Gronk or somebody right. stops Gronk. So they played a very conservative game in Miami. They were really trying to protect the playbook. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally and like you said with McDaniels, I, look, they're going to have some wrinkles in this, in this game um, that – you know, it's not going to be to the extent of when they faced the Ravens a couple of years ago that they had to go to that flea flicker uh, to, like, score points. It's not going to be to that. But they're going to, like you said, they're going to throw some schemes and, and some formations that they they maybe haven't run all season. Like, and, and it's not going to be maybe even totally obvious to us watching, but in terms or the regular person watching that doesn't watch the Patriots all the time, like, it may be just the fact that it's the same formation – but instead of having uh, uh, Lewis in there, it's Brandon Bolden. So that means something different than when Deion Lewis is in. Like, stuff like that, you know. And I, they'll have some other crazy formation stuff happening too. But I really do also don't think they have to go super crazy in this game with that um, to, to score and to, and to beat them. So I'm not going to go with a, with a score prediction. Um, just because I'm ba- I'm bad at what? that. Yeah, no, I don't like doing that. That's your thing. I, I I want that's exclusive for you. That's that's why people tune in for for to listen to you is <laughs> is the, the scores. It's not my scorpion longevity. It's, it's not it's not your scorpion tips. It's your scoring tips. But, um, um, so wait. Like, so nice. before we Very before nice we uh, talk about the next game, I want to run down the list I sent to you real quick, just just so people are aware. I did a little bit of research yes. because we were talking about what is the – and this is just purely – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal this from, from, like, Bill Simmons. Well, this is the gift of a, of a smartphone. You can take a dump and do research <laughs> for your podcast. This is half-assed internet research because yes. this, I, I did not go back to the 60s for this. Because you're a family man and you have a toddler that's – Tearing apart your home. You don't have right. time for in-depth. I only had time to go back through the 80s and, and maybe some of the 70s. But um, okay. this is this, – this year is arguably, even including Brady, it's so bad with the other three quarterbacks <laughs> that are in this final four that this, this is arguably the worst grouping of, of final four quarterbacks between the two conference championships in NFL history. Um, it's pretty so pathetic, I sent yeah. you this list. I'm going to run down it real quick. Uh, these are the ones I found that are comparable, but I, I don't know. I break now. Wait, yeah. you're, you're just about to announce bad foursomes or just bad quarterbacks to make the, no, no, no. So this is the specific year and the four quarterbacks that were in the conference championship game for each, each, uh, conference that season which makes it bad right okay so this year it's it's brady and bortles brady is obviously the greatest he almost cancels out the other three that's how great he is but he doesn't yes Um, the other two it's Foles and uh and case keenum right horrible yeah so uh we'll start with the most recent there's only three three years that i could really argue or justify um the year 2000 was it featured the likes of 
uh, in the conference championship, the losers was Dante Culpepper, who had look, he had a couple great years, right, fantasy wise, but ultimately flamed out. Um, Rich Gannon slash Bobby Hoying. Uh, this this game, <laughs> Gannon got uh, pummeled and driven into the ground by Tony Siragusa, concussed. And Bobby Hoying had to come into play. So it was this combo, right? So Gannon, look, he won the MVP at one point. Um, yeah, he got pancaked. Yeah, but and he was he was a very good quarterback. He's not the worst. I would I would take him over any of the other three guys this weekend. Maybe even today. Mm-hmm. Maybe even today. Um, the other two guys, it was Kerry Collins of the Giants, and of course, Mike. You had you know being in Baltimore, you know it was the Tony Banks slash Trent Dilfer. Uh, Ravens team. It was the Trent Dilfer. Mostly Trent Dilfer, but Tony Banks was actually the starter for quite some time that year. Uh, and Trent... Yeah, they, they, they did everything <laughs> they could to secure him, you know, develop him. And Trent Dilfer came in and, and they... Did not and they how many How many uh, touchdown-less games did they go where they were only kicking field goals? It was like three, four games or something where they were still winning. Something ridiculous. I think that team had like three shutouts in the yeah, and all they needed was field goals, and they, and and Stover, Matt yeah. Stover was like, yeah, Matt Stover. Um, so two thousand. Well, that that is that is a horrible. Well, wait, so it ba- gets worse. So basically, <laughs> so basically, wait, you said the year two two thousand. Right. So Gannon was that the was that the AFC Championship? Oh, yes, game? against the Ravens. Yeah. Oh yeah, these are okay. these are all conference championship quarterbacks. Yeah, so that, that he was the best quarterback, and he didn't even make it out of the, the first half. Exactly. Yeah, he he was left yeah. with a a mush for brains. Yeah, that that is horrible. You you have done some great work there. <laughs> what else do you have? Uh, and we'll go in chronological order. So the next one back, that's the most recent that I could really see because all the others had at least two guys that were like Hall of Famers or near Hall of Famers, good enough, right? Um, mm-hmm. better than the guys that are this this year for sure. So back, going back 13 years from then, 1987, we've got Minnesota's Wade Wilson, <laughs> <laughs> the Redskins, Jay Schrader, and then Cleveland had Kosar and Denver had Elway. Um, so Kosar had had like he had a really good career. At the end, he was yeah, getting, horrible. He was horrible, but he had some really great years. Uh, but Wade Wilson was like a career backup that would come in and start when they needed it. And I think that year he played most of the season. Jay Schrader, another guy, like they kept trying to. He he started for the Raiders at one point. He started for the Redskins. Yeah, yeah. So so not quite yeah. as bad, right? So now the the final year. Uh, again, we'll see. Uh, Nineteen eighty-five. And this one is well. I, yes. I would say what makes 1987 so bad is there were 24, 25 teams in the league. I would also, I I think that's also the year of the strike. That makes sense. Um, so that was a that was a factor too. So uh, the mm-hmm. final one is 1985. <laughs> 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 and f- funny enough. Yeah. Uh, and this is the season. I mean, this is that that year, right? So, so it is the year of the Bears Patriots Super Bowl, which was in '86. 
technically, but we're, we're calling it 85, 86. That's that season, right? Yeah, season. Relative yeah. to the season. So uh, even though the conference championships are also technically in 86, it's that season. So so I'm putting both uh, of the Super Bowl team's quarterbacks, uh, of course, McMahon, who, again, had his moments, but is not considered a great all-time quarterback. But basically, Trent Dilfer. I mean, those I would take McMahon over so Dilfer. I think Dilfer's a clown and horrible. Uh, but right, yeah, I agree. Yeah, McMahon. McMahon had got. If you want to talk about concussions, I mean, that guy's career. He would have had a much better career overall, aside from the concussion thing. Um, and the Patriots, Tony Eason slash Steve Grogan. Um, Steve Grogan, you know, eventually uh, he ended up being really the better quarterback, but Eason had a good year and he was the guy that they drafted to be the future from the previous years but Grogan ended up coming in and playing for Eason um, especially in the Super Bowl uh, and then Marino was in Miami obviously he's he's on the, the scale of being great uh, and the last guy was the Rams had uh, Dieter Brock wow I didn't even I couldn't I couldn't have named that player I would have I would have assumed Jim Everett. That was the guy right totally. before Jim Everett, and he, he was actually uh, pretty old. <laughs> yeah, wow. I don't, I don't yeah, no, I, Dickerson was there, uh, but it was, it was pre-Everett. So when you, you had teased this, you had said, gosh, you know, who are some of the worst quarterbacks to make an appearance in, in a conference championship right. game? I've got – I have an honorable mention. It's not a quartet. It's just one guy that I look back – on and I think, oh my gosh, the the hype around this dude was so unjustified. Oh wait, can I please guess? Really bored out. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, finish your point if you didn't. No, I'm I'm done. I I, I thought of this guy. It's it's a it's this millennium. Yeah, immediately, right? I mean, it's, it's got to be the same guy. It's a former USC heartthrob. Yes, it's yes, it's Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez. He has the butt fumble. <laughs> He was he was he made two he made he two did, conference championships. He did nothing in those games. Yes, two chances, two chances. And as soon as Rex Ryan's defense burnt out, he was pretty yeah. worthless. So that that was the guy that I was thinking <laughs> of. Well, I mean, if yeah, you could as, do as you could definitely make a really crappy conference. Definitely make a much a much the bigger list if you're going like one the one these individuals for sure. There's a lot of guys that have made it that far and just they weren't good enough. So, you know, I, I will say um, another year I did think of, though, was the year the Pats went to the Super Bowl in 96. Against Favre? Because it was Bledsoe, Favre, but then Kerry Collins and Mark yeah, Brunel. Yeah, the two expansion teams. Kerry Collins <laughs> Kerry Collins, he's he's like Blake Bortles, and like really, oh man, soft. You know, like 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 made some noise, but really soft. He had a long career, though. and then and really he did. And when you think of Brunel, Brunel had a couple really good seasons, and on a on a Jaguars team that was a, loaded. I mean, that Jaguars team was better than he had this a few Jaguars good, team. Like remember fantasy wise, he, had a few he was good a years. really good fantasy quarterback. He was a few good years. He really was. But at, at the end of the day, he was limited. And good coaches knew how to game plan. Well, he was a running him. quarterback, and too. Once, and once he moved on from Jacksonville, it became even more obvious how 
yeah, he was really reliant on yeah. the scrambling ability. Once the scrambling was gone, his his routine was very. How about the fact that Kerry Collins so made it to they were two kind Super of Bowls? Stuck. Yeah, I, well, the theme is true in both cases. He he rode an exceptional defense. That that defense that Carolina yeah. put together that had Lamar Kevin Lathan. Green career year kevin green had a Sam really Mills. good year yeah i mean there are hall of famers on that defense and same thing with the giants right the giants had jason seahorn who was an all pro that year uh michael strahan in his oh yeah o- o- uh, C- i don't know o- if his Mura. rookie year no nah, maybe like his o- third Mura. year you know um, the other dude so uh, on the line i forget his name well, oh uh jason justin tuck well, wait, wait, wait. This is the year 2000. Oh, oh, then. I thought you were talking about you the, the... Okay. So, Strahan had just made it on the roster. Right. Um, but they had really right. good players. You know, my my point is, he look, same thing with what we're seeing right now, right? All, all four teams have very strong defenses. And some of them are in the top four in scoring. Some of the uh, top four in total yardage. Like, however you want to slice it you can make the argument statistically that each of them are dominant. That's how you get crappy quarterbacks. Yeah, and there's, there's been a lot. I mean, look, Stan Humphreys made it to the Super Bowl, okay? It, you could definitely do a, a list of Super Bowl quarterbacks oh, that was a horrible one. who yeah. Didn't, yeah. didn't really fit the bill, didn't belong there. All right, so, so last question of the night for you. With the Patriots, assume let's just peek. Let's do what the players are not allowed to do. Let's assume the Patriots manhandle the Jaguars, or it's or survive. However, we want to slice it. Who do you want to see them play on the other side of the coin if they get <laughs> to the Super Bowl? And who do you want them to avoid? Good question. Um, you ready? Go ahead, baby. <laughs> Not the Vikings, uh, because I think I think the the Vikings for me are scary uh, because number one they have a very good defense they have a very good coach number two um, they they have a, an upper half of the league offense when it comes to points per game and yards per game. Now, granted, a lot of that was with Wentz. Of course, and it probably would have been higher if Wentz had played the whole season. That being said, that's another factor. Foles, I'd much rather play against Nick Foles, who's been there a couple of weeks, uh, starting. Whereas Case Keenum, he's been there the whole season. He's he's a replacement, if you will, for Bridgewater and Bradford, but the guy's been there all year. He's in the offense. He he knows that he's run the offense. They're good. <laughs> they have a good offense. Um, what did I say? The Eagles, I, I messed that up. The Vikings offense is in the upper half, right? So that's with Keenum at quarterback all year. That's with Dalvin Cook being gone half the season and running Latavius Murray. Um, so th- they scare me. The Vikings definitely scare me. They also have the whole, like, team of destiny thing on their side. And – there's there's all these factors add in the fact that new england in general is notorious 
has been over the years for stealing all the Minnesota good players before they became superstars. Or even once they become superstars. Kevin Garnett, David Ortiz, uh, there's been others. <laughs> Randy, Randy Moss. Moss. <laughs> so, Minnesota has gone through all this anguish over the years. They've been in multiple Super Bowls. They've lost them all. They've been almost to the Super Bowl and lost on a, a missed field goal when they should have won. They, they've, they've had all these missed extra points, right? They, they've had bad things happen to them. And this almost feels like someone else brought up this point where the Red Sox had things turn on Dave Roberts' steal. It was like a – that was it. All of a sudden, boom, now there was hope. Seminal yes, moment. A turning point, if you will. And this – that play that we started out talking about this show about where Stefan Diggs makes the catch, Vince Williams miss or Marcus Williams misses the the um the tackle and Diggs has the wherewithal to stay in bounds and then score. Like that was a supernatural play. Well, hey, look, it it reminds me of the you know, obviously the Music City Miracle where that was a wild card game and the Titans go right into the Super Bowl that right. Day, right? Is that two thousand? 99 that was 99 and obviously they came a yard away um so so anyways you are saying you're afraid of the vikings and you welcome the limit i would much rather play Uh, against the philadelphia eagles in the super bowl yeah so so then i totally agree with it so this this the second to last question is then can the eagles win this game in philadelphia could yeah, they? Like, yeah, they could. They could. I feel. I feel like even though everything you and I say and believe is true, the Vikings are scary. The Vikings are scary yeah. fast. The Vikings are tough. They're an, they're an indoor team, and they're going to be playing outdoors. And we saw what that did to the Falcons. It slowed them down a step or two. Because you know the field's going to be mishy mashy, or it's going to be frozen. One of the two. It's not going to feel good. It's not going to. You know, it's it's going to work against the Vikings. And although Foles is, you know, the default starter, I don't even call him a backup. Uh, you know, I, I mean, he could put together a functional game where their defense just kind of holds. The, I, you could just see because these quarterbacks are unproven, either one of them can come out any day and have a career year or just. Yeah, well, Foles up. did it so if the they last both, game. So if they both show up, if they both show up and crap themselves. The Eagles will win, right? Because the, all these other factors you assume will add up into an advantage. That, that's my belief. And I, I just have this, like, I just have this feeling that both quarterbacks are going to crap themselves because one's going on the road and the other one is just average. And, and that's, you know, he, they've been hiding him. They didn't even start in week 17. The Eagles sat folds. So I feel like, the, there's this chance that they both come out, they both crap themselves, and the Eagles could win a tight one, just like the Falcons game, uh, because you know the teams they're bumping into are, are younger and experienced. And I, I got to tell you that the all the the regular like game analysis, game preview aspect of it, all that aside, there are these other elements <laughs> that are scary to me. Like I mentioned with the players that have come from Minnesota and gone to the New England teams and succeeded and helped them win titles, all that. Um, 
let's let's also remember that the Super Bowl is back in Minnesota uh, this year. So the Vikings are playing to be the first team to host the Super Bowl in their own stadium. And, it's unfathomable that it's in a cold weather environment. Well, it's but it's a dome. Oh, you but mean still, like the, you the Super Bowl would week, be the Dolphins like, or the Cowboys, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, they're they, 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 well, uh, need I go? I on, mean, they right? did it before. They did it in Detroit, right? And they they they've done it. But but the thing is, uh, before the season, like also no, after the last Super Bowl with the Patriots coming back to beat the Falcons, um, you could say, oh my God, like they the Patriots could never top this. What else is there left for them to do in the Super Bowl to prove? Well, this would be ring number six that would match the Steelers for Brady, for the Patriots. Um, This would be the first time that the game is on the home field of one of the teams. So if the Patriots go in there, they play the Vikings in Minnesota in the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl road game, Add that to the list of what else could they accomplish? They, I mean – there would be some other thing that comes out that accuses them of cheating somehow. Not nineteen and zero is nineteen and zero would truly be yeah. That's just never gonna happen. No. And and everybody looks at it. Everybody looks at it like, well, look, there was a miracle, and that's why that didn't happen. And you know, the, the Patriots lost that Super Bowl, obviously going eighteen and one, but everybody revered them like champs. Like they had the championship treatment in every sense. yeah. They uh, set records. Except and, they didn't get yeah. the rings. And they don't get the honor. Yeah, but they got the burden. So yeah, so I, I I do think I would I would say that that Minnesota is my pick to win. I will I won't be surprised either way um, who wins. Because I think if it was in Minnesota this week, I would be surprised if the Eagles won. But being that it's in Philly, I I, I yeah 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 I I go with Minnesota. I think they have more more talent. Never mind the fact that. You know, Case Keenum has been there, and he's proven over the course of the season that, yeah, he can run that offense at a really high level. And Foles is just – they've been hiding him, and there's a reason, and you're going to see it because they're going to be pushed to really open things up if the Vikings score first a couple times. So, so yeah, I say Vikings and then uh, Patriots, and we set up a really dubious road Super Bowl scenario. I, I, let me, let me so. just say this last thing, too. I If the Patriots somehow don't get in – I I am praying for an Eagles Jaguars Super Bowl because F you Roger Goodell and the NFL. Well the the ratings for the championship series games I'm sorry, for the for the these last past week, yeah. weekend games. The Patriots had double the ratings than all the other, you know, three individuals. I'm sure. Games. Yeah, people wanted to see them lose. So yeah, I mean the the Pats are in rock star status, and we got to enjoy it while it lasts because you know it can end on any hit. And they just—it's incredible the amount of people that hate them and want them to lose. And there's going to be a ton of that this week and potentially oh sure three weekends. But but Mike, but Mike, think so. about this last point. I know you got to go, so think about this. If they did, everyone's rooting for them to lose now. Are all those same people, aren't they going to be like, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to watch Super Bowl. It's Bortles versus Foles. Like, 
Is don't you see that? If if the Super Bowl if the Super Bowl is Philadelphia and Jacksonville, I will not watch it. <laughs> I will literally change the oil in my car, <laughs> do the brakes, change diapers. <laughs> Which God knows I got a ton of shitty diapers here yeah. to change. I'll just catch up on. I, I I will. That will be my peaceful protest. <laughs> That'll be my. Punch I'll catch to up the on guy. on all my Black Mirror episodes that I'm I haven't watched yet. Well, with that said, I think we've concluded another edition of Scorpion Corner. Yeah, those scorpions. Hey, hey, guys, ladies, watch your toes. Watch your toes because those suckers sting. That's right. It is closed shoe season. Thank you, Vinny, for hosting another fantastic Riding in the Pine. Go Patriots! Oh. Hate us because you ain't us. Thanks for your questions, Mike. That was that was uh, big time, big time. You, you you carried us. Well, you know, we just we just want more form. We just want more form. God bless. I'll talk Alrighty. to you later.